Welcome to the lineup on Yahoo Sports. That's Steven Sahoyas. I'm Wesley Chang, and this is the final episode of the 2020 NFL season. Whether you won your leagues or ended up losing because of whatever reason, don't waste all that research. Stevie and I want to make sure you at least take the time to put together a few notes to at least get ready for the 2021 season. Stevie, what's your first piece of advice you want to share with listeners? Well, I think the biggest piece of advice that I took from this past season was always draft the best player available in your fantasy football drafts. Too many times I think we get caught up on positional drafting. Like, okay, you know, I've already got my two wide receivers. Now it's time for me to take a running back. No, don't think about positions, especially if you play in leagues that offer, you know, the ability to trade and waivers as well. So the reason why I say this is if you start drafting based on positional needs, you start closing off a lot of the players that are available to you. And the issue with that is you're going to miss out on some really good talent by hoping you hit on the one or two players at a certain position that are available to you in that range. One big thing that I ran into this year was I was big on wide receivers in the early round. I ended up with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams on one of my team. Great. But then I felt the need to force it at running back. And what ended up happening there was I ended up not really liking the running backs I ended up with. And therefore, I missed out on a lot of good wide receivers that I really liked that were also going in that range as well. So one key takeaway, I would say, is focus on creating that surplus, even if it's at one position, which will give you flexibility when it comes to trades as the season rolls on. And another benefit to doing that is also you can then trade to acquire your the, the position that you're weak at with the benefit of knowing how things have played out in the NFL already when you make those trades during the season. One of my key learnings for this season is to always look for the unicorn running back. If you look at all of the data, even from this season and seasons prior, there's always this one like elite tier of running backs that jump away from the rest of the pack. So this year, Kamara, Cook, Henry, they were really in a league of their own. If you look at those three, compared to RB number four, who is Robinson, they scored, well, Kamara scored 100 points more than James Robinson. So RB1 to RB4. And then from RB4 to RB12, the difference this season was only 46 fantasy points. So if you look at how big of a jump there was from this, this thin layer of elite running backs, it happens every season. Last year, McCaffrey had 411. And then the RB2, or RB5, was Aaron Jones, who has 270. Kamara, who was RB12, he had 210. So there's always this quantum leap that happens. Gurley did it three years ago. This season was no different. So in your drafts, I'd always say, even though there were busts like, you know, McCaffrey, he got hurt. Saquon, he got hurt. Those don't really count. But there's always going to be that elite tier. And I think the trick to fantasy is always try to find those three to four running backs who will ultimately elevate your team to basically unstoppable status. The next thing I have to say, and this is something, you know, keep it with you everywhere you go in life. Stick to your priors. And what I mean by that is in fantasy football, I feel like in the heat of the season, week to week, we get moved too easily off of what we thought going into the season. We spend all this time in the preseason carving up our rankings and, you know, coming up with analysis for X, Y, and Z player. And what ends up happening is a couple bad weeks, you start to panic and you start to forget everything that was baked into your analysis entering the season. Case in point, you look at a player like Allen Robinson or Jonathan Taylor from the Indianapolis Colts. 
coming off of Indianapolis's bye week and now with Marlon Mack out for the season, it was expected that Taylor was just going to run away with the starter's position. But as you remember, in those three games following Indianapolis's bye week, he had some pretty rough performances, which led a lot of people, even myself, to kind of maybe think that this isn't the season for Taylor. Obviously, we were dead wrong because Jonathan Taylor ended up being one of the best running backs in fantasy football down the stretch. So the thing is, don't get moved too easily off your priors. Deontay Johnson's another player who really started out of the gate slowly. He only topped 10 fantasy points once through the first six weeks of the season, partly due to injury, but also due to drops. But this was someone that we knew had a bit of a ball security issue coming into the year after his rookie season, but we knew the talent was there. He's an uber-talented wide receiver. And sure enough, he's able to figure things out and, and remain a difference maker in fantasy football for the stretch run. Allen Robinson, another player, two really bad weeks because of bad quarterback play. Well, obviously we knew the quarterback play in Chicago was going to be bad. It's Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles under center for crying out loud. You weren't expecting Aaron Rodgers-like play out of these two quarterbacks. And he's already proven in the past that he can get it done as a fantasy receiver with poor quarterback play. He's played with it his whole career. So don't be too easily moved off your priors. Stick to what you believe in entering the season. And only when there are circumstances that change what you originally thought should you then move off of your priors. My last piece of advice, spend your fab dollars early. If you took a look at what really played out at the beginning of the season, there are names like James Robinson, Robbie Anderson, Justin Jefferson. These were all guys who ultimately ended up being top-tier fantasy uh, flex plays throughout the entire year. But the other reason why you want to get to your fab dollars early, you spend that money, you get 16 weeks worth of value. You spend your fab dollars in week 12, you only get four weeks worth of that player. So the earlier you spend them, the longer the period of return you get from that player. But at the same time, a lot of the times there's players like Anderson and Jefferson, I mentioned, who emerge out of nowhere, and you really got to be quick to the punch there. If you look back at all of the best waiver ads this season, from week five onwards, other than Mike Davis, there really wasn't a lot of really, really longevity, um, players with lots of longevity who help give you value all the way to the end of the season. Jefferson, Robbie Anderson, those are two names that ended up wide receiver seven, wide receiver 16 on the entire year. So don't worry about spending all that money early on. Get it out of the way, and that'll really help you out as the playoff uh, weeks come through. DeZone. More live football than anyone else. Stream exclusive Premier League and UEFA Champions League. Stream every NFL game, including the Super Bowl. Plus, exclusive Red Zone, showing you every touchdown, every Sunday. DAZN. Start your free trial at DAZN.com and stream on multiple devices. More live football than anyone else. D-A-Z-N. DAZN. Welcome back to the lineup on Yahoo Sports. And now it's time, forget the Grammys, forget the Emmys. The lineup has some fantasy football year-end awards to hand out that'll put those award shows to shame. And it's because you got Stevie and Wes hosting the event. And Wes, we're going to start off with the fantasy football playoff MVP. And after week 16, it seems like the answer was pretty obvious. Yes, it was. Now, honorable mentions. Got to go out to, you know, David Montgomery, Calvin Ridley, Travis Kelsey, Lamar Jackson. They all carried a lot of these teams in the fantasy playoffs to a championship title. But Alvin Kamara, come on. 
there's no way we get around this. He was by and far the most impactful player with that elite all-time performance. You know, what type of fantasy player in championship week gives you a top three all-time performance like that? There's just no way to get around it. You know, Kamara put up 55 fantasy points in that matchup. He outscored the next best flex option during the three-week uh, three fantasy period by 18 points. And that final Week 16 performance ultimately elevated him above Dalvin Cook and made him the RB1 for the fantasy season in 2020. Those 97 fantasy points from Week 14 to Week 16, what more can you ask for from your RB1? Alvin Kamara is easily our fantasy MVP of the year. Now we're going to hand out the award for season-long fantasy football MVP. And you have to give it to Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, just look at the disparity between him and every single other tight end. He had 58 more points than Darren Waller, and he had nearly 120 more fantasy points than the number three tight end, Robert Tunyon. He's currently second in the NFL in receiving yards. And just having him on your team was such a great boost in fantasy football because you knew you were going to outscore whoever your opponent's tight end was on a weekly basis. It really didn't matter whoever they had a tight end. Obviously, Kelsey was going to outperform them, and it was one of these things to sure the discrepancy between tight end one and tight end two is potentially that way because of the George Kittle absence. He missed a lot of the season and didn't really get to put in a full year's worth of action. But nonetheless, what we saw from Travis Kelsey was historic. He now has the new tight end receiving yard record. And for him to be top three amongst all players in the league right now in receiving yards in itself, it's very impressive. Sure, there were other players like Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, and Devontae Adams who had unbelievable fantasy seasons. But when you just look at the sheer advantage Travis Kelsey gave fantasy managers, it was pretty easy to come to the conclusion that he was this year's MVP. Everyone loves a good waiver wire ad. But with this season, the best one of the year came before the season even began. James Robinson was actually drafted in less than 20% of Yahoo leagues. And by the time he was ultimately announced as the RB1 for the Jags, he was already on most people's rosters. He put up an all-time record for an undrafted free agent performance in week one opening day. His 61 yards were ultimately an all-timer. And on the season, he ended up RB4. Who would have ever thought an undrafted free agent in that mess of a situation in Jacksonville would ultimately work out this way? But this is fantasy football, and sometimes the wildest things happen. Uh, but one thing I do want to point out to spot in future opportunities on the wire is volume is ultimately king at the running back position, talent or not. Now, James Robinson is talented, so it does work out well for him, but the volume is what carried him. He was third in the league in total snaps, fourth in the league in total attempts, and he was eight in passing targets out of the backfield. All of this is obviously great in terms of his volume, but his efficiency, he was actually 28th. His 4.5 yards per carry were, there were 27 other running backs who did better than him. So even though he's not the best, like pure running back, most talented player, the fact that Jacksonville was willing to give him all of those Uncle Lenny Uncle Lenny Fournette reps the way that they did this year. James Robinson, he's our waiver wire pick of the year. The last award we're going to be handing out is for the best fantasy football draft value. And after Monday night's performance, there's no doubting it is Stephon Diggs of the Buffalo Bills. He was going around pick 72 
in Yahoo Fantasy Football Drafts, which is right around where T.Y. Hilton was going. Yeah, that's how much the fantasy community was sleeping on Stephon Diggs. And if you remember me from the preseason, we've got the tapes to prove it. I was saying people are overstating this perceived downgrade from Kirk Cousins to Josh Allen, and boy, was I ever right on that one because Josh Allen really elevated, and Stephon Diggs, I would say, vice versa, elevated Josh Allen to new heights this season. Right now, Stephon Diggs leads the NFL in receiving yards, and as it stands, Stephon Diggs is wide receiver three in fantasy football. So an unbelievable performance from someone who was going outside the top 20 at wide receiver in fantasy football drafts. Stephon Diggs, you earned it. You are the biggest fantasy football draft value. This is the lineup on Yahoo Sports. On to the way too early 2021 NFL fantasy season preview. Stevie, what are some insights listeners should be thinking about? Well, I'll tell you this. Before we even get to the drafts, I can tell you this already. I'm going to have DJ Shark on every single fantasy team of mine. That's just how it's going to be. Because this player will finally have a number one quarterback at his disposal in Trevor Lawrence. Once the Jaguars get to the podium, they announce that first overall pick. DJ Chark's draft value is just going to go through the roof. And this is why. He's an athleticism through the roof gold card member. If anything, he's the leader of the club because he is that type of player. He is such a size-speed mismatch. And when you see plays like the one he had this past weekend against the Chicago Bears, where he's able to tap his toes on the sideline in the end zone to make a ridiculous touchdown grab, it just makes you wish he had a good quarterback at his disposal. But wish no more, fantasy football managers, because that is going to be the reality entering 2021. I'm really excited to see how this Jaguars offense takes a step forward with finally a really good quarterback under center. I think this is going to do wonders for LaVisca Chenault Jr.'s fantasy football value, as well as James Robinson. It'll help create more running lanes for him because of the threat of a good quarterback. So those two players, in addition to DJ Chark, who I just can't wait to have on my fantasy teams because I know he's going to be on every single one of them. Heading into 2021, I encourage all listeners to be a little bit weary of running backs who are coming into their post-rookie contract years. Unfortunately, the reality of it is, after the age 27, there's something with the running back position where players are just not able to keep it going, to have the sort of endurance to keep running like they did during the rookie contracts. In the last four seasons, out of 48 top 12 players, only four of them were 27 years or older. Now, the best example I want to draw your attention to is Todd Gurley. Okay, he was a stud. We, we might forget this, but four years ago, he was RB1. Three years ago, he was RB1. He finishes RB23 this season, and if you looked at the way he finished the year, he was just getting worse and worse, and you saw his body breaking down. Now, he, you might think, oh, he's an exception. Well, what about Le'Veon Bell? Four years ago, he was the RB2. He ends up this season as RB58. So as sad as it is to say, there's ultimately a trend that shows that once the rookie, uh, once the running backs get past their rookie contract, there's this unfortunate, you know, kind of, I guess you can call it the steep learning curve that they jump off of. The average age of the top 12 running backs over the last four years 
was 24 years old. So be mindful of that. Watch out for guys like Todd Gurley I mentioned. Melvin Gordon is now getting up there. Chris Carson. These are some guys who still ultimately produce this season, but you have to worry, when is the cliff coming? During the 2020 fantasy football season, I think we underwent a bit of a wide receiver renaissance. We saw running backs going fast and furious off of the board in fantasy football, but a lot of them really didn't pan out from that crop of first round running backs. You look at Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, obviously they dealt with injuries. Ezekiel Elliott wasn't the same player he was when Dak Prescott got hurt. Additionally, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Joe Mixon really didn't live up to their first round draft capital. But fantasy managers that elected to go wide receivers early saw a better return on their draft pick. You saw Devontae Adams had an unbelievable season. Tyreek Hill was great all year. DeAndre Hopkins was also really a a top pick and and someone that you felt good about in your lineup. Sure, you had Michael Thomas who dealt with injury, and you also had Julio Jones who also dealt with injury. But by and large, those first-round wide receivers were really reliable for fantasy managers on a week-to-week basis. So I think in 2021, you're going to see a much more well-rounded first round. You can even throw Travis Kelsey for the work he did at tight end this season into that mix as well. You're not going to see, in my opinion, the same running back heavy approach. It's going to be more well-rounded, which falls in line with my approach for next year, which is draft the best player available. Don't worry about position. Just pick the best player available. Every season, it always feels like there's that one quarterback who takes a quantum leap into stardom. This season, it was Kyler. Last season, it was Lamar. And a few years ago, it was Patrick Mahomes. So who is it going to be for 2021? If you take a look at the rookie class this year, there are a lot of names that should jump out. Unfortunately, Joe Burrow, who was probably on pace to become that guy, he's ultimately going to return at some point in the middle of the season. Jalen Hurts, he really emerged near the end here, and he's probably going to have a lot of hype. And Tua, he's got a lot of room for improvement. He showed his accuracy. He's just got to be able to get the field, uh, the ball downfield a little more. But if I had to pick any of these guys to really take that next step up, I'm going to put my money on Justin Herbert. He just looked the most comfortable at the NFL level and was the most kind of professional level ready player. I think he's going to be able to take that leap now he's got a full year underneath his belt. And so going into 2021, look for Justin Herbert to be that guy who ultimately goes from being, you know, back end, you know, back end QB1 to becoming a possible top five QB next year.